Dum, 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 dum. This is here to Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Gen Z Talks. If this is the first time listening to the podcast, hi, welcome. I'm Firdaus. I'm Sarah. And after a long, long time, we are back with a new episode. During the last couple of months, we have been having the most hectic lives ever. Um, we've, we've been trying to go back to our routines and to be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be productive. We really haven't been like productive at all, but still, um, we're trying, we're trying, so that's good. And by the way, Sarah and I met last month when she came to Barcelona. Um, it was the most spontaneous thing, but we really had a great time and we got to meet each other for the first time. It's not going to be the last, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, just a fun fight around there. <laughs> but yeah, welcome. Welcome to another episode. Today we have with us Hajar Yaqubi, who I will let present herself in a minute, but just let me tell you first, that we will talk about youth in politics and starting your career in fields like public, public speaking, international, international relations and policy and all that. So yeah, hi Hajar, thank you so much for being here. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me and thank you for, uh, for the minute for the introduction. Uh, shall I just start? Go ahead, all yours. I'll start at the beginning because everything started on a gloomy, rainy afternoon in 1999. And this, no, I'm just kidding. No, my name is Haja. <laughs> I thought let's start at birth. Uh, my name is Haja. I'm 21 years old. Uh, I live here in the Netherlands. Uh, I study international business and. Uh, uh, Two years? No, I think about a year ago my mandate ended as a United Nations Youth Representative for the Netherlands, specifically on the topics of human rights and security. I always say it's a mouthful, but what that basically means is that for two years I got to speak to a lot of young people in the Netherlands, gather input from them and bring that input to the United Nations and speeches that wait, I gave. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah? I'm going to cut you there. Okay, cool. Because we are going to go into oh, that. okay, okay. <laughs> wait I'm a sorry. Second. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, no, don't apologize. <laughs> it's just like, it's so interesting that we have like a mm. section. Oh, which about is it. So don't worry. Okay, forgot what I said. I'll tell you about what I do these days. So these days I work a lot on public speaking. I'm a next generation keynote speaker, which, which means that I uh, uh, go to businesses and, and and governments to speak about our generation and uh, what's important to know about them. Uh, so that's sort of what I do besides studying and some other projects, but that's uh, about it for me, I guess, then. <laughs> so when we go to your website, Hajar, um, we can see that you started working in the UN, as you just told us. Yeah. Um, and you started at 18? Yeah, that's true, at 18. Like, wow, mashallah, <laughs> like, that Thank is you. so cool. <laughs> But before going into that, um, tell us, like, wait, you told us of, like, what you study. Yeah. And how did you become interested in, like, becoming the UN Youth Representative of the Netherlands? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, actually, uh, it's, it's quite uh, interestingly not due to, like, the UN aspect. So um, uh, before I was 18, I was 16 at some point, And then I actually uh, started sort of a volunteer club with uh, some, of, some friends of mine uh, who lived here in the region where I live. And what we did was we visited young people in the foster care systems uh, and in, like, uh, uh, like, the youth care system. And it was mainly due to the fact that in those years, um, the responsibility for all the young people in those systems was transferred from the uh, 
national uh, government to the uh, local governments. And there was a lot of things that weren't going very well. A lot of young people in those systems who spoke up about not being heard enough, that their input is not being taken into account in shaping these systems. So me and uh, some of my friends, we thought, you know what, if the local governments are not listening to them uh, and they're not visiting them, then why, do not, why don't we just go and visit these young people, listen to the feedback that they have. We then typed all that feedback out in like some sort of a document, send it to uh, the local municipality here. And then we did that a couple of times and it took a couple of times before they caught on and they were like, okay, uh, it's important to listen to the young people in these systems. But that's sort of uh, how youth participation in a way started for me because uh, I started doing that when I was 16 with the club with the, uh, friends of mine. And I did that until I was like 18, uh, up to like the point where I registered as a youth representative. But it was actually a good friend of mine. She knew what I was like, that I was doing the, uh, we called it advisefangers, which literally translates to catching advice. Uh, she knew that I was doing that in the local municipality. And that's when she saw the, uh, the you know, the, how do you say that? Like the application for the youth representative position. And then she sent it to me and she was like, oh, is this not what you're already doing? But then on an international scale. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. So, uh, yeah, in that way, I sort of applied and eventually uh, made it through the selection. I want to know, like, oh, what wow. was the experience on going there and seeing the United, Com like, the United Nations conference room? Because when I went to the headquarters... I was amazed and I didn't really much listen to the conference that was going on because I was amazed by everything surrounding. Oh, it was just a wow experience. Yeah. I mean, in a way, it's so crazy because you're like, okay, this is a place where, uh, you know, a lot of big decisions are being made. And in itself, it's already, it's so... It's weird, but also very cool in a way that there are so many different nationalities, obviously 193 member states uh, at the United Nations. So 193 different countries with people with different backgrounds who are all there working together on the same thing. I do have to say, though, you know, one thing that really struck me, I always thought, you know, the United Nations, it's such a big organization, plays a large role in society in the world. And that is why I thought that it would be a very modern building. But honestly, one of the things that struck me when I walked in it, it's super, I always say, rusty and dusty. I remember walking in and they had like these old carpets and uh, a lot of old people, most diplomats are like, I don't know, bazillion years old walking around there. So that was really, really, really true. something I did not expect. That is true. But I was still like amazed by the fact that I was yeah. in New York yeah. to actually oh, like definitely. focus on these things. Because yeah. like yeah. we both like... For me, going there, it was one of the best experiences I have ever gone so through. Cool. But like for me, it was mostly students there. It was a student, you know, it was a student conference. I Ooh. was like, our school was sponsored by the United Nations International School. I don't know if you know it, but it's a school. Uh, yeah, it's a school in New York. It's run by the United Nations. Yeah. And yeah. I remember like going there and I was like, wow, this is just so beautiful. And they had many guest speakers about, it was about the, I know, remember it was about the water crisis and the mm. ripple effect and everything concerning that. And yeah. Yeah. I was beyond amazed. And I was like, yeah. I just kept looking yeah. around like that. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so, it's so cool. Yeah, it's truly no, amazing. I fully agree. I mean, I, I, it's, it's like, I, it's so hard to get what you mean, uh, Sarah, as in like, 
uh, especially if you realize like the the weight also that the place holds while you're like standing and doing your thing because for you how was it because uh, was it also with like uh, a lot of young people from different countries how did you like experience that with, so like, um what my school uh does or what they used to do before corona it hasn't been happening for the past two years is that the united nation international school they sponsor I'm not sure, maybe like around 50 schools all over the world. Oh, cool. And our school is one of them. And each year, seven students get to go. Mm. I tried the first time. I didn't go through, but I tried the next year. And alhamdulillah, I was chosen. It was a, a process of um, writing an essay and going into two, uh, like uh, discussion and um, trying to uphold the arguments that you have about the water yeah, crisis. Yeah. And alhamdulillah, I also passed those two rounds and I was chosen. Oh. So we get to go with seven students there. And um, I met students from Mexico, Chile, Bermuda, like students from all around the world. It was truly an experience. Uh, it was a two-day conference, just the whole day. And then um, we basically talk about important matters and workshops and everything relating to the water uh, ripple effect that we talked about. Yeah, it was just mostly students and like guest speakers, which is yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, I mean, that's so cool. I, I, I can totally relate also to what you say about like all these different people that you meet from different countries. So that also has like a big effect on you. But no, definitely first impression. Uh, Indeed, that, like all the different nationalities was really striking to see. Another thing was then that it was mostly old people, at least the conferences that I uh, was visiting, a lo loads of old people. And then uh, the building was a bit not as modern and, and, and you know, um, technolo technology-wise advanced as I expected. But later on, by the way, I found out that it's because if something within the UN, like within the uh, appearance of the UN has to, has to be altered or at least a proposal needs to, be, needs to be made, then all 193 countries have to get together to vote on it, on it. And since they can't already get together to vote about, you know, way more important issues such as war and uh, climate change, it's sort of, well, not very likely to happen that they're getting to together to vote about the interior of the building so that's sort of what's behind it oh wow they do take democracy really seriously Very serious. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you like this door or that door well yeah. let me get back like, to this in a just, different resolution <laughs> just paint the wall like, yeah. that's it but some rooms like if you see the there's this room it's called the eco soak chamber and uh they have like this curtain in the back some people like it Honestly, I think it's hideous. It's like a, almost like a circus pattern of like triangles, white and red triangles. And if you would take that curtain away, you'd have, you'd see the skyline of Queens with like the Hudson River, blue water in front of it. I'm like, wow, guys, open it up. I know but, what you're talking about. Yeah. I, like I saw the, like I saw the whole sky, I saw the whole like sky and it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Like, yeah. The interior, it kind of struck with me like, it wasn't as I expected. The building yeah, isn't hideous yeah. itself, like with all the flags no, and everything. Yeah, it lo it yeah, looks okay, yeah. but like the inside, yeah, I was yeah. like, I mean, yeah, come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, indeed. So the curtain, indeed, it, yeah, I do, I, do thought, I do think that one was quite hideous, but indeed the building itself is quite okay. It's just a bit more old-fashioned, so to say, but that doesn't mean that old-fashioned can be, uh, you know, pretty and nice as well to the eye, which it definitely is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, th this year, I joined um, the Model UN in my uni. Okay, cool. I haven't been going. 
as much as I should. Hilda! Exams. You don't know the exam midterms. I, I finished midterms. I'm going this week. Inshallah, I'm going Inshallah, this week. Inshallah, you're going to go, I, right? I've been like... I've been really having like the best time ever there. It's just like so fun. It's yeah. like, oh, I get to like to pretend I'm someone important. <laughs> and last month. <laughs> you are someone important. Had... Don't say pretend. No, you yeah, are. You know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm a country. Last month I had Russia. I was just like, whoa. You're like, whoa. Whoa. Yeah. It is so, so cool. <laughs> so it. Inshallah, in the future, I would relate to your experiences. But for now, I'm going to like, no. just stay in modern UN. <laughs> this week, you're going to go. We're all going to like make dua for you that you like from now and like stick to the <laughs> UN uh, visitation. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so cool. But now, hello, I want to switch focus. And talk about, well, basically, you're into more or less politics, like, even if it's not, like, hardcore politics, yeah. it's, like, international relations, public speaking, you know, all that. Yeah. So, I have a couple of questions here. Okay. So, a lot of people, especially adults, say that politics is not for us, like, this is not our world, um, that we should focus on something else and let, let this to people who know, quote, unquote, you know, um... But do you think that, like, what, what, what do you guys think about this? Like, what's your opinion on, like, youth in politics? Should yeah. we be in politics? Should we leave it to others? Oh, definitely. I think uh, it's very sketchy when people say, do not get involved with this. I mean, something's up then, right? Uh, then there must be a reason for them to say that. But no, um, all jokes aside, I think especially... Uh, I think more than anything, what we need with the current global issues that we have, and when we look at, for example, the climate crisis, but also inequalities that are rising, you know, racial injustices, you see that it's young people that, that are standing at the forefront of protests, they're speaking up about this, they're engaging with it. If you just look at how engaged young people are, you know, just like it doesn't have to be in this big um way you know just people sharing things online as well on social media you know that already on your own in-group has such a large effect but i think when it comes down to uh you know youth participation within politics whether that be nationally or internationally if i would take the climate crisis as an example the decisions that are being made today by politicians will have the consequences of those decisions will for the longest period of time be experienced by us as young people. I mean, they make policies that are uh, going to affect the way that our world looks like in 2080, in 2100, 2100, in 2060. That's not a reality for them. Most of the people in, in policymaking, politicians, with all due respect, but they're fairly old and they're not going to live uh, through the consequences of their decisions. So if you know, we as a generation are going to be most affected by that, then there is no bigger stakeholder than us to include in that conversation. So I'd actually flip it around and say, you know, uh, there's no better place for young people to uh, make their voices be heard than in, in the, the realm of politics, so to say. And maybe something else that I want to add to that is the fact that, you know, uh, I remember back when the climate strike started to, uh, to you know, come up and everything, uh, there were some politicians, not going to mention any names, <coughs> 
Donald Trump, that said, ooh, all those young people uh, striking on the streets, they're such snowflakes, they're too emotional, look at them crying and caring about this. And he was basically saying that because we were so emotional as a generation about, you know, the issue of global warming and biodiversity loss and climate crisis and what that does to people, you know, um, you know, he was saying, oh, you're too emotional. You can't handle the problems of the real adult world. But what I think, I think in essence, how much, bra- I think that all the young people in those strikes showing their emotions are 10 times more braver than any politician who, you know, uh, protects himself under this veil of apathy. Because how easy is it to pull up a wall and act like you don't really care about anything? And how difficult is it to actually show that you care about something, to show that something really matters to you and that you're even willing to, uh, you know, display that through your own emotions? I think if you know that as a young person that you care and you still go out there and you still stand on the front lines, uh, that's the sort of bravery that we need to see back in politics that's why we need more young people like you guys as well right so fear does again you are an important person because in essence you're one of the biggest stakeholders for any discussion related to politics and long-term uh, decisions that are going to be on the table uh worldwide or locally or nationally for that matter Yes, Fertaus, she is right. <laughs> no, yes, of course. Like, no, it's... Sorry, what? No, 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 continue. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I was just joking. Obviously, I do, like, I agree with you, Hajar, 100%. Like, the youth is like, we are society. Like, yeah, society has to change. Well, we are society. Yeah. So if we don't change, society is not, like, a, a picture or something you know it's yeah. people it's us um so yeah i do think like everyone is important of course i was just joking <laughs> and in fact i was like i was once um asked um in an interview like what can we do like we are like normal people it, it, they were asking me about the palestinian issue and it was like look i'm not palestinian but like from the outside and from the inside like even palestinians say so um does, it doesn't matter how many followers you have. It doesn't matter how much power you have. It doesn't matter where you live. Just talk about it. Just talk, like, just talking about things. Just discussing them. Yeah. That is that is activism. That is like that is all actually. You know. Yeah. So so yeah, I encourage everyone. Like everyone has a voice. Everyone can use it. Actually, something that you and Hajar have said, for example, is the fact that those old people. No offense to them, but I mean, they are making big decisions that will impact us. And we are the next generation that will live through these consequences of yeah. climate change, inequalities, yada, yada, yada. It, it's literally a vicious cycle. And we were once talking um, about such problems and you literally hear people say, oh, it doesn't matter, like old people, I'm going to be dead in 10 years anyway. Well, you are making these decisions that we will have to live with. Right, if right. you don't care about your own life, care about those of your kids or those of your grandkids or those of just have some empathy for the people who are you are who are you essentially yeah, leaving behind. Yeah. Because it is it's so um selfish to just think about your own life. If you're gonna be gone in a few years, yeah. that's fine for you. But you have some empathy for your for the people you're essentially leaving behind because I mean we do all know that Climate change is a big thing. Global warming is essentially happening. The water crisis might also become a thing in a few years. We all know Definitely. that. But if Definitely, we don't, yeah. if we don't do if we anything don't about it now, I am scared right. for this world. 
Yeah, but no, I I 100% agree with you, Sarah, and with you, Firdaus, as well. I think, um, you know, that's that's something that isn't embodied enough yet. And, you know, something that can also be said about people who are in politics for a longer time, who are older, they're also sort of rusted into these structures, you know, also in the sense of that they uh, become very narrow-minded in, in what they deem possible, because if something hasn't been done before, they're like, well, I've worked in this field for 40 years and it's never been done, so that's not going to work. And if you, you started something, you know, with such an attitude, it's not going to work by per definition, because you're just thinking uh, about it that way. And I think I think, you know, there's this one quote that I've that I've once heard and like to me, it really illustrates what the, you know, relationship dynamic is between, uh, you know, younger generations, future generations, so to say our generation uh, and the older ones who are currently in power. Uh, the quote goes something along the lines of um, uh, we do not inherit the earth from our ancestors, but we borrow her from our children. And if you think about it in that way, it's such a different dynamic because if you, uh, you know, if you, you inherit the earth from your ancestors, it's so sort of, you're like sort of the, the main owner of it. Whereas if you borrow it from your children, uh, who you're going to give it back to when you're gone off this planet and they will then uh they're then sort of borrowing it from their children then you always have with borrowing there's always this sort of tendency to be careful to be very thoughtful for something and i think that's sort of what needs to be brought back into the mindsets of uh you know and it's, it doesn't just limit itself to state leaders or world leaders but also business leaders i think uh they are a large group too that uh sort of needs to be held accountable for their role in society as well Okay, so now about the same topic, I had another question. Um, so do you think, and from your experience, have you seen that politicians or like diplomats, people from above, do they listen or do they want to listen to young people? Do they make the effort? That's a good question. Um, uh, do you have some time? Because I could talk about that for a very long time, especially... Uh, uh considering there's so much difference in uh, countries, but also in politicians within countries and how and whether they really listen to people. But some things that I found is that you can very often tell by the way that someone is interacting with you, whether they're taking you seriously. And I think this is going to sound very counterintuitive, but I found that people who are, you know, a little bit too positive towards you, that usually... Uh, well, I've had instances where I was telling something very critical to like some uh, policymakers within the government and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. It's so cool. It's so good what you do. And then I'm like, wow, it's almost as if you're just thinking so cute, Gucci, Gucci, a little. Well, not Gucci as in the, <laughs> the, the brand, but like more as in that they're, it's almost like they're thinking, look at this cute young person talking about the things that they care about. Whereas I've also had conversations, very critical ones, which were not as, uh, well, we say gezellig in Dutch, which were a bit more uh, hard to have in the sense of that the, 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 the tensions were a bit difficult. But usually those conversations, when you have like very hard discussions and very critical discussions with people uh, that at least lets you know that they're taking you seriously because otherwise you know it's way easier for them to say oh good job we like that we'll see what we do with it and then shove it in a drawer of some desk and never get back to it whereas if you take it seriously and have a proper discussion about it which can sometimes be a bit uh, well I wouldn't say bad tempered but a bit more you know confrontational sometimes that's a good yeah. thing yeah I'm curious because I know that you talked to Justin Trudeau. Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. So how was the conversation with him? So now that we're talking like about <laughs> different politicians and all that, 
how is the guy? <laughs> well, this is the moment where you're like, oh my God, he's so revolutionary. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. So thank you so yeah. much for listening. Yeah. See you next week. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was, it was great. It was, uh, it was really nice. So maybe for some context, um, uh, he was visiting the Netherlands uh, uh, just uh, before he would go to the G20 and uh, uh, the COP26 in Glasgow. And uh, he decided to visit the Netherlands um, as like a European country to visit so he was there and then our prime minister he and him had like their one-on-one bilateral meeting but then after that there was an event organized for young people to ask their questions to uh, both our prime minister so Mark Rutte in the Netherlands and also Justin Trudeau who is a lot more famous from Canada Um, so yeah it was really it was like honestly um, yeah it was really in a way down to earth I I guess he was really kind Uh, um, I got to like ask them questions and like you know uh, see what their responses are I I must say though that uh, I think for both our prime minister and for Justin Trudeau in their way of engaging with people they're so kind and so open but honestly, sometimes they were a bit tricky with their answers because I, uh, I would have liked a bit more ambitious answers when it comes to climate action because um, that was something that at least I was a bit disappointed by and I think that doesn't just limit itself to the Netherlands and Canada but overall because it was uh, literally like I think we spoke to each other there two days before they would go to COP, uh, to Glasgow, to what you know, conference that is a super important one, uh, especially considering how much time we have left before 2030 uh, and the targets that we need to meet. So I was hoping for a bit more there, but apart from that, super, super kind uh, But guy, I think I think that is done on purpose because I, like, as prime ministers, they have to really, really think about each question before speaking because if we misspeak in something, that's okay. Yeah. We don't yeah. have a big follower uh, or not people who actually look up to you, whereas yeah, yeah. Trudeau, like he's known, like Premier Trudeau, like he's known all around the world. Same with Premier Rutte, and we already know, like a lot of people dislike Prime Minister, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands. So he really has to think about each thing he says, and especially when it comes to climate change, because yeah, their words yeah. can affect uh, things that happen in politics. So I do know what you mean because. Sometimes, like I watched part of uh, I watched part of the conference or like the talk that was said, but they weren't always clear in their answer, which yeah. exactly yeah. like you yeah, mentioned. Right. Yeah, right. A bit ambiguous. They were really okay. trying to answer the question, but leaving a lot of things behind, which wasn't super. Um, how do you say like dialogic? Um How do you say that? Yeah, in yeah. clear, like clear. It wasn't very <laughs> wasn't specific, specific, so to say. No, same with the with the students who asked the question. It was always very indirect way of answering it's just trying yeah, yeah. to keep it as short as possible without saying things that might have a big effect yeah right and i mean uh maybe to add on that a bit i i, I definitely get what you mean about that they can be very overt and very you know extreme in what they say but then i then i guess the the problem is a bit more in you know before they uh they get there and before they you know they would go to cop two days later so they had already decided you know with their government and with their teams what their new targets would be in terms of climate what are their new ambitions but maybe then that is my criticism that those conversations within their governments have not been ambitious enough because you know for me i mean we spoke about this earlier as young people were going to be 
face with so many consequences of the de- of the decisions being made today. And one of them that is really uh, that really has a big sense of urgency behind it is the climate crisis, just simply because of the fact that if we do not uh, stay below that one below that one point five degrees before a certain momentum, we can uh, set into effect you know and catalyze these tipping points that. Uh, once we've reached those tipping points, we can't, uh, you know, bring go back in, you know, you know, we can't bring climate change back. So then it's just going to go downhill from there on, you know, uh, regardless of what we do. And I think that's sort of um, what I do think they should take more responsibility for. It's not enough to say, oh, we will take uh, climate action within the scope of what is economically profitable. No, you, you should do something that should ensure that we have a livelihood uh, for generations to come uh, in the future. And I think that should be their utmost priority, which wasn't always the case, or at least the feeling I had when I heard their answers. Yeah, I don't know like if you guys have um, followed COP26 or like just any of it, but basically I, I haven't personally done all that, but mainly because I know I'm going to get angry. So I was just like, I'm going to save myself yeah. the trouble. Oh, I get and that. Just, like, don't. But what I see in general, what politicians do and what makes um, young people mad is that they say things without saying anything. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 it's a big problem. We have to do something about it. I'm like, dude, you're the president of the United States. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's no there's one a more lot than you. Can do. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Wow, it makes yeah. me think of it. Does. I don't know if you guys saw it. And I, I heard someone say that it's actually not the reason why they did it, so I'm not entirely sure, but there's this picture of all the world leaders tossing a coin into the Trevi Fountain in Rome for good luck with like the uh, for good luck with fighting the climate crisis. I was like, guys, you decide how we tackle this climate crisis. You literally rule uh, the twenty most uh, you know prominent economies in the world. So I was like, hmm, <laughs> this this yeah. is a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it's insane. It is. That's why I get mad. So yeah, and I say. Yeah, I, w- I want to say something. Many politicians, when they uh, speak about something, like about certain things, they can be so contra- like, uh, how do you say the word? Contract, contract, oh my God. Contradictory? Yeah. Yeah. The word just doesn't want to come. For example, um, she's not a politician, but you guys know Greta <laughs> Thunberg, the yeah. 18-year-old or 19-year-old girl who talks a lot about... Um, uh, you know, climate change, global warming, and everything relating to that. A lot of politicians make fun of her because she's yeah. still a kid. I'm like, guys, no, she's not a kid. She's actually worried about something. But some of her actions, I was looking into her page a few days ago, and some of her actions do not really like. For example, if we're gonna go, if we're gonna go talk about the Palestinian, uh, as they say, conflict, which ah, it's yeah. it's not a conflict. For example, she says. I stand with, um, she doesn't stand with anything, she's neutral, but, yeah. like, yeah. in such cases, I'm like, girl, you want to come up with global warming and see that, not, yeah, I can't talk anymore, but you know what I mean, no. like, yeah. she fights yes. for yeah, rights definitely. of animals and essentially global warming, which will be a huge issue for us, but when it comes to human rights and the Palestinian issue, she doesn't speak about it and she says, I'm neutral, which is kind yeah. of... Yeah. It's mainly because, like, okay, so not justifying it, obviously, but the reason that I think that's behind that is that she is sponsored by a lot, like, of government. I don't know about government, like, maybe, like, brand and, like, 
I don't know, businesses and things like that. So she has, like, just as politician, she has to be careful about what she says at all moments. Like, for example, Malala Yousafzai, I, like, I'm sure all, like, all of us know her. She also doesn't, like, actually, like, she's not really political either. Because she has, like, there are so many people in the background, you know, and they're just, like, the face of it. So, not justifying anything, because obviously like, everyone should, like, stand up on issues like this. But I think the reason is similar to um, to the ones politicians have. Like, it's just way more politics behind that it just, it's not convenient for them. But it's mm. quite ironic and funny. Like, you are really yeah, speaking yeah, about... they are activists. Yeah. Right? Activists. And when it comes to yeah, yeah, human yeah. rights, you don't say anything. It yeah. doesn't work yeah. that way. And I think it's very essential that for the upcoming leaders that we have a say in this and we decide who's going to be speaking for us. And I mean... Most of the leaders that we choose now are old people. For example, if we're going to be seeing the elections that were happening in the, US, in the U.S., most of the presidents that were in the leadership, they were, they're all yeah, very yeah, old. Extremely. Yeah. yeah. Like, why don't we choose? I know they have to be uh, experienced for 30 plus years and all of that, but I mean, they will be the upcoming leaders of the whole world, okay. essentially. So we have to pick yeah, people yeah. who actually care and are not, you know, just, you know Gotta what I mean? In it for the short term, yeah. I, I have, uh, like, considering the situation with the U.S., I really, really have my fingers crossed that AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, can maybe, like, enroll, because it's as she said, Sarah, you have to be a minimum of 35 years old, and then, you know, I think what comes to, what comes around the corner with the presidential elections there specifically is the massive amount of money you need to have a proper campaign, which is absurd if you think about those figures. Crazy. So, so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's people honestly, with money, people that want money and more power that end yeah. up getting chosen. For example, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that we are the ones that will face all the consequences of everything that will happen later. And it's always the old people who get to have a say in our yeah. generation. Yeah, true. And definitely agree. Well, I want to add two things that... Um, so, first of all, about Greta, I, I did, like, want to say... Actually, my friend told me she was listening to us. I just, like... Um, so, she does have Asperger's, and one of, like, the things that, like, she experiences is that she only focuses on one thing. So, mm. she chose, say, climate change. So, as a neurodivergent person, she just, like, focuses on one thing. She doesn't focus on others. So... Maybe, like, just adding that there, so taking it into consideration, you know, uh, we still would have to do a lot of research and see, like, that. But, yeah, just a comment. And the second thing, and now, like, to, before changing topics, but the second thing is AOC. We could have, like, a whole episode about her. Oh, my God. And we probably should do yeah. that. Um, <laughs> but little opinion there is that I think her political party wouldn't let her present, like, um, like present her candidate, uh, I don't know the word, like, present herself to be president, yeah. you know? So, I don't know, there's a lot of politics behind yeah, all that. I mean, it's politics yeah. at the end of the day. But, you know, there are, like, a lot of benefits and a lot of, like, mm, it's a bit sketchy there, you know? But I don't know. Just saying, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer, just saying. <laughs> no, but yeah, definitely. I think as well, indeed, a lot of politics behind the scenes there that like are all trying to play a part. So, play a part, so. yeah. 
Yeah, it's like a, a chess game, to be honest. It just yeah, that's actually a very good analogy, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. So one last thing before we wrap up this episode, we didn't want it to be really long. We have been like we haven't done an episode for like years. Um, so. Well, yeah, years, months, but you know. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll keep like we'll keep it light a bit. So my last question for you, Hajar, is so our audience is about like ninety percent. Of course, our name is Gen Z Talks, <laughs> so it's about ninety percent Gen Z, and like there are people between like seventeen, twenty-seven, and most of them like me and like all of us. Um, they are still trying to figure out a bunch of things like studies, career, yeah. and all that. So, my question, finally, <laughs> what would you recommend to those who want to start Ooh. in the areas that you are working in, now, oh. like public speaking, against international relations? Do you have any, like, you must do this, or like, recommendations? So, yeah, i just let you talk. Yeah, no. Recommend us something. That's a good what question. I, <laughs> I was afraid for a moment that you were going to ask me for career advice in general, which I think I'll be very bad at, because even I still don't know it. I mean, I'm doing this right now. I'm, you know, doing the public speaking work and the moderation, and uh, I did the uh, United Nations work. But um, I can definitely say something about that. I think for me, I'm very much working right now, still as a speaker also. I'm still working with governments and I'm still uh, attending digital uh, and, on, and online and uh, but also physical international conferences to really speak up about these issues. For me, what's important is to know why is to have a purpose to be in this field, you see? So um, it's not that I'm... Uh, I happened, honestly happened to stumble into international politics because, well, I mentioned before, I study international business, which is not diplomacy or anything. Uh, I never actually did anything with the UN until I, uh, you know, this friend sent me this thing. But, you know, for me, what always went on before there was that I had a goal that I wanted to accomplish. So whether that was get more youth participation or whether, whether that was speak about human rights issues, you know, racial injustices, the climate crisis is something I'm doing a lot with right now. And uh, once I decided, you know, these topics that I'm, uh, well, I would say passionate about, but it's more so I really, really fundamentally care about for the world, then I go and ask myself, okay, what is the right sector that I can have the most impact with this? And I, I mean, with youth participation and with human rights back when it was as a youth delegate, the UN obviously was a really, 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 really good place for it. Now I'm doing a lot on climate. I'm still, um, you know, hosting things and moderating and speaking at things from the UN, but also other international organizations. But I also noticed that in this past year, I've made a more a shift towards companies to also, um, well, there's an entire project. I won't mention it now since this is like the concluding question, but maybe some other times for this that I can just tell you about it one-on-one, -on -one. but it's called 2100. And we sort of want to make sure that, uh, you know, business uh, leaders and business uh, boards, so executive, non-executive, really try to think from that year. It's like sort of with a wink to the year 2100, but more so think on a long term. And that's also something I'm doing a lot on right now. So um, I would say, first decide what you're passionate about what is it that you want to accomplish more youth participation better human rights maybe you want to become a really good writer or maybe you want to do something with education and then uh, I would say uh, then go and check in, in which areas uh, that message still needs to be conveyed uh, the most and then I think you you are and doing the thing you're passionate about and being very effective in your work uh, so to say <laughs> thank you so so much you're welcome uh, I was <laughs> 
I thought Sarah wanted to say something. That's why I was just in silence. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to add to that. Um, so in the activism field, if someone is interested, I would say join a um, local organization. Ooh, you definitely. don't know how much power they have. Like, yeah. Don't be like, oh, yeah, they are so small. No, 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 no. Like everything I've ever done started there. Like yeah. from a local student organization. And then like it just, you don't know the power. So right. use it wisely and go like and join it. And yeah, that's it. Join local organizations. I, <laughs> that is my advice. Let me just say 100% I'm with that, honestly. I also think maybe if I can add one thing, it, it almost is as if the people who I've seen who work at the UN are almost envious of people who work on a local level because, uh, you know, at the UN you're like at this, this global level and you're trying to push change. But eventually the decision on whether or not that's going to happen lies so fundamentally with uh, how the local uh, organization and NGOs and, and governments... You you know, local governments try to implement it. And if you can see that uh, in the first stages of, let's say, an international career and then get back to that UN level, you're already, if you want to go to UN in that case, but um, you're already so far ahead of all those others who have not, you know, really got that mindset uh, and know how it really happens on the ground, the work on the ground. Yes, definitely. Like, I agree so, so much. Honestly, it's um, funny that so, yeah. such... Like, talking about that, it's funny. Like, I'm going to say one last thing. It's funny that such small experiences, or, like, even if it's a big one, can really change your career rise. Because before going to the UN, I always wanted to pursue, uh, pursue um, like, decoration and interior design. But, like, after this, I decided that I want to shift more to politics because I love talking. I love, like, going against people if they're wrong and yeah. justify myself with my arguments. So that was actually one of the reasons because I was really hesitant what I wanted to study. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take international business. By the way, me and Hajar, we studied the exact same uh, yeah, study at the, at same, the same university. university guys. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's, like, for all the people who want to start doing something, it doesn't matter where you start. I'd rather start small and build my way up because that's just way cooler than already, yeah. you know, joining something at the top where you didn't really, you know, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. And find a reason for it, I'd say, too, like, to do it. That definitely. Helps. Yeah. Cool. cool. Okay, we should that wrap up so the episode good. now. Sorry, what? I was like, we should maybe wrap up the episode now because I know Hashtag has something yes. uh, she has yeah, to go yeah, to. Yeah, so yeah, that would be it for today. Thank you so much, Hajar, for joining us. It was a pleasure meeting you and talking to you. It's just like, ah, oh, I love you. I love it so much. I love God. everything you do. All the love back to you as well. Honestly, yes. it was my, uh, my honor to be uh, as a guest in your episode. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me too. And thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Um, we hope you liked the episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Our username is at P-O-T. And follow Najar on her socials too. Everything is in the description box, so check that out. And again, thank you so much for listening and see you next week. Bye! Bye. Bye.